Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I'm excited to share this week's episode with you. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing professionals at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Hello, young business leaders. Today, Brian Smith and I get to sit down with Lisa Riley, 2016 Oklahoma Women in Business Champion and owner of multiple Pinos Palette locations in Oklahoma. I'm excited for you to hear her story of being a woman entrepreneur, cancer survivor, and how she's built her career by always finding a way to learn. Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. So Brian, first of all, thank you for uh, hosting us again. Today we are uh, broadcasting from Brian's office, his new location on 11th Street. Last time we were here, it was still under construction, so now we're actually up and going and I'm excited to be in the new space. They like to call this area... Route 66. Yes, sir. Do you know what Route 66 does? Do I know what it does? I know what it was supposed to do and what it did, but I don't know what it does now. Well, I think the secret to Route 66 is just how far it spans. Yeah? So it's kind of neat. I believe as far as you can drive, in America, of course. Yeah? I know you like to get international on us <laughs> on things, but uh, I like to keep things in the United States of America. It will go as far as you can go. It actually ends in Santa Monica in California on the pier. I was down there uh, last year and saw this Route 66 stuff. And next thing you know, when I got to the end of the pier, there was a nice little sign that says you've reached the end of Route 66. And I think it goes all the way to Chicago or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. Um, but we, we love this location because of the history behind it and actually we've had a lot of good luck down here a lot of people said it couldn't be done that it was uh, not a good decision we've actually liked it that's awesome well congratulations on being in the new space and uh, expanding your business but I do want to kind of uh, introduce our guests I want you to introduce our guests today because uh, I've been talking about it a little bit on Facebook so if you've been following that but up until this point we have not had uh, any women on the podcast. I know we, we brand ourselves as the young businessmen of Tulsa and we talk about having a strong male leadership in the family, in the, in the home, in the, in, the, in the workplace. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in the world that we live today that we completely tune out from what women are doing in, in business and at home. And so, you know, for a while I've been really trying to find a, a good amount of guests that we can come in that can kind of give us that perspective, that perspective that we haven't had yet. And I'm really excited about today's guest because first of all, she's the first woman on the Young Businessman of Tulsa podcast, and she's a good friend of yours. But as I continue to learn more about her, I'm really impressed about the amount of growth that she's had in five years and some of the things that she's overcome. So we're going to get to share her story with you today. But Brian, why don't you go ahead and introduce Lisa and kind of give our uh, audience an understanding of who Lisa is. You're right, Evan. We've got listeners all over the place. And I'm excited today. And you shared the vision of the Young Businessmen of Tulsa. And what's funny is, by the way, you don't have to be young, because yep. Evan and I aren't that young. You, you don't have to be a businessman either. That was just kind of a name that, you know, if the listeners don't know the history, is, is our, our organization kind of spurred off of a, an organization that's been 
going on for a very long time. And so it kind of just took on that name. But we're, we're very open to men and women, you know, young and old. Age is a number, and, and you're kind of as old as you think you are. But I love having guests come to our monthly luncheon. And I don't really necessarily care what old they are. Our, our vision is is to train up men and or women that are open to the leadership we have, and then we're learning from them as well. You know, we've had guests in, at the luncheon that shared perspective with us that we never would have thought about. So that's exciting. Having having a female on the podcast is exciting for me too. One, I, I know her, and I've gotten to learn about her over the last year and some of the struggles she's had personally. We all know in business there's struggles. You know, every time you conquer something, there's a new one. And so we get to hear a lot about that today as well. And I, I want to share, too, that when we have a guest on, one of our biggest goals is that people become more aware of what they're doing and, and who they are. And the, and the guest we have today is, is Lisa Riley. She's the owner of our local Pinot's Palette. Um, locations and there is a Cherry Street location there is a Riverwalk location and there's also a Broken Arrow location my personal favorite is the Riverwalk location because I live south but every every single one of these locations is in a cool place so you can go to a dinner you can you can plan around this deal and then you're gonna go and you're gonna get together with your friends maybe you're gonna have um, some wine there because that's what they do at Pinot's Palette that they, they they'll serve you a glass of wine and then you're gonna paint and have, have a good time. So I've done it with my team. It's a great time. If you want to go out and paint and you want to get a group together, go to your local Pinot's Palette. Well, first of all, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. And uh, if you don't mind, I, I know that we're trying to kind of explain it in a roundabout way. So if you can kind of introduce to our audience who you are and what Pinot's Palette is, and then I'd love to hear your story of, of what kind of got you into that and what inspired you uh, to create this business. Sure. So Pinot's I like to say is a, um, a paint and sip studio. So people are like, well, what's a paint and sip? So we walk people step by step through a full canvas painting in two or three hours while we listen to rock and pop music. Now, we don't teach art lessons, right? We literally are an entertainment venue. So we have an instructor on the stage. They, they literally, it's almost like paint by numbers, but we're playing rock music and people are drinking. Okay. Uh, while we do it. That's that's literally almost like my elevator pitch, right? That everyone has to have when you have a small business. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, because after 30 seconds, you lose people if you try to get too in-depth in what something. They just want to know what you do. I'm sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> real, <laughs> real funny, real funny. So, anyways, um, you were wanting to know about how I got started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will tell you this. Um, I think some people don't realize the things and the lessons that they've learned from others that they've worked for. So growing up, I worked um, many different jobs, whether that was installing fireplace sets um, for a, a, a gas log company, or whether that was um, selling outdoor patio furniture that was really high end, or being a hostess at a restaurant. And so when I speak to high schools, I always remind them, I say, you know, who, who in here works like at a drive-thru? Who works at um, a shoe store like Foot Locker or something like that? And when they raise their hands, I'm like, you're going to have a leg up over the ones that aren't working right now. And you can see all of the rich kids kind of look at me and like, wait, what? <laughs> and I say, they're learning customer service skills. They're learning to be on time. They're learning to be trustworthy. They're already building their resume and you guys aren't. And so I feel like there's a lot of these lessons. So the reason I say that is because where I come from, I have learned these life lessons all the way through to get me where I am. So um, I used to work for a billion dollar corporation 
And um, one of the, my favorite stories I have is on my very first day, I showed up early to the, the company. Um, it is called Quick Trip. It's a convenience store chain. And so I was working at the corporate office. And when I started the first day, I showed up really early before everyone was at the office, except for like the lady at the front desk and the security guard. And when I was walking, um, they were walking me to my desk to go get me a badge. Um, I passed an older gentleman in the hallway carrying a trash can. He was in slacks and a, and, and a t-shirt, and I assumed he was the janitor. And they were like, well, by the way, um, we are at capacity for this building, for this corporate office, uh, for this company, so this is your office. And they took me around the corner, and I was literally sitting next to the copy machine. And so everyone has these offices. Right, making copies. (laughs) But here's where this is important. There's all these little life lessons that you don't think of. So part of me was like, wow, that kind of, you know, a little blow to the ego that I'm sitting out by the copy machine. But what I gained from that was that everyone that came to make copies, I got to meet everybody. I got to talk to them because they would talk to you while you were doing this. And then you learn people inside the, the office. By the way, the older gentleman that I thought was the janitor came back by later that day and said, so um, what, do you, what, do, what do you do? I've never seen you before here. And I said, well, today's my first day, and um, I um, am going to be an assistant and just kind of learn as much as I possibly can. I'm excited to be here. And I said, and what do you do? Thinking that he was the janitor, and it turns out he was the founder and CEO of the billion-dollar corporation, Chester Cadjo. There you go. And, um, and one of the things that I could have been irritated with or not – taken the advantage of is by sitting out by the copy machine what I didn't realize is his office was on the other side of the coffee machine so I got to know a, a, a brilliant mind and a beautiful person and I got to hear him in conversations with others and got to learn so much more than I ever would have if I would have been stuck in one of those offices right with walls yeah so those little things kind of set me up for success of hearing all of these things throughout you know, wherever. So I worked in oil and gas. I, I, I worked there for almost 15 years um, between that and ConocoPhillips in Houston. And while I was in Houston, um, my um, husband and I wanted to move back to Tulsa. Um, and I came across Pino's Palette. It's a franchise. And by the way, the reason I bought the franchise, once I found Pino's, I loved it. And I thought, what a great concept. I could start from scratch. But I'm also one of those people that likes the path of least resistance. And if somebody's already done all the research why do I need to reinvent the wheel absolutely so I researched my research and found that if you buy a franchise you are 70% more likely to be successful than if you start something on your own that's a mimic of something that's already in existence so I went to Pino's and bought my first franchise and opened it here in Tulsa but before I opened it I of course I got here and these are the things they don't tell you about I didn't know the law around alcohol and so I was not allowed to open because I didn't have a bar and I said well but we BYOB in Texas and they said but we're not in Texas anymore you're in Oklahoma (laughs) and that's against the law so these are the kinds of things so this is where all these little fun things happen so I went back and told the franchise I said well I can't open so either you need to give me my money back or we need to create an infrastructure to support franchises with bars and they were a little bit hesitant at first and then I and but I convinced them to do it with me so we sat down and for about six months we we created the software proprietary all of it and created the the franchise model a little bit to be different and once we got it up and running and I was their prototype of a bar bar studio uh, they sold like 60 franchises in four months wow so I was their third franchisee 
Um, and then within a year, they were already almost to 75 franchises because we opened up the bar model. So we kind of broke the mold of their franchise system open a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so we opened up our first studio in Tulsa, in Midtown. One of the things I always tell people if they're wanting to start a new business is that old saying of location, location, location. First of all, it makes me crazy when somebody's going to spend all this money to start a business and they put it in the crappiest location because I'm like why would you do that if you're supposed to be an entertainment venue why would you go in next to a strip center somewhere or in a you know not that's next to like bars or restaurants or whatever so I always tell people know what your market is if you're supposed to be a trendy place put it in a trendy place and so we opened in Midtown because that was a great place to be it's where everyone wanted to go out and we got open there and then quickly we started selling out of all of our classes and the CEO of Pinos called me and said so we need to have a discussion. Whatever you're doing is working because we've had about 35 applicants in the last two months wanting to open a second Pinot's in Tulsa wow. because of what you've done. And of course I was like, well, wait a second. What if they don't run it the way I do? And what if, you know, this is my life investment? And what if... Could reflect if, negatively on you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what if they run it in the ground and they're horrible at advertisement or they treat a customer poorly? And then all of a sudden they think that I own that one as well. And they, they you know... I just said, I can't, I can't afford one though. That's the problem. And so what people don't tell you is it's hard to get a business loan when you have never owned a business before. So I went to 11 different banks asking for um, financing and they all laughed at me. Um, funny enough though, side note, every one of those banks have called me since and begging me for all of their, for my business. Which funny I how love. that works. It is funny how yeah. it's a full circle moment. And you know what I did? I laughed at them and hung up the phone. Did you do the whole pretty women thing where you walked in there with all your shopping bags? Yes. And just like, Boom. Yeah. Boom. How you like them apples? Yes. How you like them apples? So um, anyways, uh, we opened our second location a year and a month later um, in South Tulsa where the demand seemed to have went um, to grow. And then about the beautiful part of the story is that one started to sell out. I mean, even before we had opened the doors, we wow. had already had 17 private parties books. We had our first month of scheduling of classes completely sold out before we even opened the doors, awesome. which was beautiful. And then um, about six months after I opened the Riverwalk studio, um, the CEO called again and I said, don't even tell me what you want. I already have the money for the third franchise and it's going in Broken Arrow. There you go. And he laughed and said, well, I'm glad you know where Broken Arrow is because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we opened a year after that. So I opened a franchise every year and a half, basically, um, for three three years in a row. And anyways, it's just, it, it took off like a, a rocket into space and, you know, to be really honest there were times I was just holding on and was along for the ride because it was just the straight trajectory up um now we've we're leveling off and now I now that I'm not opening any more franchises because that's the other thing is some some people see our success and they want to go open a, a studio not even a Pinot's but maybe a, a, a their own independent knockoff of what we do but what a lot of people don't realize is market saturation mm -hmm. and so you know you can only have 20 taco restaurants in a row or wherever, whatever your product is. And so um, I decided that three was the max. I do have a fourth franchise, but it's a mobile. And what that means is I have the rights to go a hundred mile radius of Tulsa and I can go do large events for corporations. So um, 
one of the things that we do every year is we host a fundraiser at the Tulsa Zoo and we uh, bring in enough to where we have 200 painters and then we have an animal experience and and so and then we get, donate the money back to the zoo and so we do large events like that we've had major corporations hire us and come in and do like 150 painters of they flew in all their their sales staff from all over the world for annual conference or things like that so I kind of encompass a little bit of everything um, you know, I've learned a lot along the way. I, you know, you think you just open a business. No one tells you you've got to go and register your business, and then every year you have to go re-register your business, and you have to pay the licensing for that. No one tells you little things like if you want a security system on your business to, to protect it, you have to pay an alarm com an alarm permitting fee to the city, and that way the police or the fire department will respond to you. Like, who would have thought? There was all these little knowledge things that like i'm like oh my god i you know i didn't budget for this i didn't yeah. you, you know people don't give you listen if there was a manual i would have bought it yeah i would have bought it but um you know i've learned all kinds of lessons and it's been a bit crazy well i love all the different topics you went down so i'm going to try to unpack yeah. as much of it as i can but one of the things that when you were telling your story about working a quick trip that i really tuned into was kind of making the most of your situation and I, I, I'm, as I look at the audience and, and the people that we're trying to reach, I think a lot of them are maybe have started or have been into that role where they're sitting next to that copy machine and they're, they're looking at it going, well, I graduated college or this is my first job and now I'm in this situation where I don't feel like I'm fully being utilized. And, and one thing that, you know, if I were to kind of speak to that person, I, I'm wondering if you're thinking the same thing is that you're actually getting an education. You're getting a master's degree in real life, but also you're having the ability to learn so much. And I think if you change your viewpoint from being one of those things where it's like, this situation stinks and I want to go on to the next thing. A lot of our audience is millennials and you hear about like millennials, they, they want to get raises and get promoted every two months. And I think it's because they, they feel like, well, I've shown up, I've done what the other 90% won't do, so yeah, you need to give that to me. But I think what they need to realize and what I'm hoping that they'll learn from this is that you can use that time as an education. I, I didn't rock it up into the position that I'm in uh, in two months. No. It, does, it doesn't happen. And I was able to learn from other people's failures pretty regularly, like how to deal with people, how not to deal with people. There's office politics, which... You know, you, you wouldn't think that stuff exists in a, in a large corporation, but it exists it, in small. It's almost more amplified. Yeah. yeah. And so right now is a really important time for you as you're growing as a leader to soak up as much information as you can. And instead of being completely tuned out to everything that's going on and suffering through, use it as a learning experience. Right. So one of the things that I always tell everybody, whether I'm talking to a group of high school kids or I'm talking to a group of people that own a ton of businesses is there's positives in every situation. So I always, first of all, I loved working at Quick Trip. It's my favorite job. It's still my favorite job. Um, and people say, but will you own your own businesses now? And I'm like, yes, but sometimes I suck at owning my own businesses. <laughs> and the thing is, I loved working at Quick Trip because it had great culture. But every position I've ever had in my life, whether I was a hostess at a restaurant, whether I was installing gas fireplaces or working at Quick Trip or working on a trade floor and I had you know, scheduling $500 million of fuel a year. Every one of those jobs, whether they were glamorous, whether they were down and dirty, 
and whatever, every one of those jobs, I learned something from. And I'm one of those people, I'm going to find the good, the positive, and the learning experience in all of it. And I think a lot of it has to do with attitude. So as much as I may think I'm, I've picked up stuff, anyone can have a positive attitude. You just have to make the choice to. But you also have to find the good in it. So every job, when I walked away from there, I thought, what skill did I learn that I could build on? So whether that was scheduling 10 different graphic artists in the marketing department to create ad campaigns for something like say billboards or tv commercials well by that i'm proving to people i can stay on a timeline i can stay task oriented and i can prove that i can get stuff done but i can also do it in a very effective manner and not be you know a tyrant bossing people around but make it a team effort everything everything i've ever done you know host one of my favorite things i tell high school kids is you know, the best job you could ever have is being a hostess or a waitress. And they all kind of look at me funny. And I say, do you know why? Because you are getting a free education on how to learn to communicate with every communication style. Mm -hmm. You have the people that show up at a drive-thru and they're really hateful and they throw their money at you. And then you've got people who are really sweet and they've got kids screaming in the back. You, you learn how to deal with all these communication styles. And man, if you can conquer that, you can tackle a lot of things in life. There's all these little skills that, that I grabbed and I feel like everyone... If they just took a step back and thought, it's almost like this. Somebody asked me to update my resume the other day, and um, and I said, you know, what do I what do I need that for? And they're like, we well, we need it because you've been nominated for an award. And so, for some reason, I took it very to heart, and I thought, you know what, I need to sit down and do this. When I sat down and started listing out everything I've ever done in each one of my jobs, because it said like list your skill sets that you learned. As I started going through those, I realized how much I have learned mm -hmm. that I didn't know that I knew. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. There's all these things of growing yourself as a person, but also trying to pull something away from everything. And so I've made it this almost like game with myself that anytime I go into a situation, even sitting here with you guys doing this podcast, I'm going to walk away from here and go, okay, what did I learn? Because I really wanted to learn something from you guys, whether it's how to work microphone or my laptop better with, you know, <laughs> podcast recording, or whether it's learning how to communicate better to make sure that everyone understands what, what my message really is. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we are innately curious people. And I think that's one reason why, you know, somebody, I think it was like Harvard Law or something like that, put out a study recently of the top 20 habits of, of entrepre successful entrepreneurs. And the number one thing was, is they're constantly learning. Mm -hmm. Well, I get that from my father. My dad is not an entrepreneur. He was an IT person in a very large oil and gas company for many years. But I get that from him. He constantly wants to learn something. He's always learning a new trade, learning a new sport, even though he's 73. And I feel the same way. I'm constantly wanting to learn something new. I'm constantly wanting to volunteer with this charity or this just so I learn about their infrastructure. What makes them tick? If somebody's a successful entrepreneur, I'm, I always like to invite them to lunch. Yeah. And, and it really, when you get to know people, you learn about their business without them even really telling you about their business. So anyways, I just feel like I'm innately curious. I'm always wanting to learn new things. I'm always wanting to pick people's brains and ask them their opinion because it's important to me. Whether it affects my business or not, I, I constantly am doing it. I think about when you climb a mountain, a lot of times you're climbing that mountain and you don't feel like you've gotten very far. You've gone through this whole struggle and, and you're taking step after step and you're just like, man, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere at all. The next, next thing you realize is when you turn around and look back is how far you've come. And I think kind of with talking about your resume, that when you're starting to write all those things down, you're like, oh my, I, I just climbed Everest and I didn't even know exactly. I made it to the summit, right? Exactly. And you're just like, wow, the view up here is amazing. That was one of the things that like, so I, I actually dragged it out wanting to do this podcast for a long time because for me, 
I'm 36, and I said to myself, who cares what a 36-year-old business president knows? I was like, there's John Maxwell out there. There's um, all these, like, Jim Rohn. There's all these, like, wonderful coaches, wonderful, like, Tony Robbins. These people are going to inspire people. I was like, I'm, I haven't done anything like that. And that's that imposter syndrome coming in into your mentality and basically saying, you don't have anything to say. But what I did realize, and that's one of the reasons why the audience is targeted to who we have it targeted to, is because... I found out that I have a lot to say to somebody 10 years younger than myself. I have a lot to say to somebody who's, you know, starting out in a, in, in a, in their first job or just finding themselves in a leadership role. I can impart a lot of wisdom to them. And I think what you're realizing is you, you said that earlier, you like, it, sometimes I suck at my business. I think that that is an awesome statement because I think a lot of people look at you or they look at Brian or they look at some of these people in uh, the different industries that they're in and they're like, man, they just got it together. They know exactly what's going on. They what can they do didn't no see wrong. is the blood, sweat, and tears behind it to exactly. make us get where we are, though. None of it's easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Exactly. I mean, I've heard that a thousand times, but now that I've lived it, it's the truth. That's why everyone does insurance if they can't figure anything else out. Boom. Oh. Oh, Brian, you're still here. That. I didn't see you. I, I disagree with that. <laughs> um, I actually um, count it as a form of intelligence to pick my industry because everyone else is out there shoveling mud and walking through, you know, concrete that's almost dry. I found an industry that I could just sit down, turn on my computer, done. That's all I do. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I want to segue just a little bit. Um, I mean, I think everyone's learning here, if you don't already know, uh, Lisa's done a, a phenomenal job of taking what was unheard of here and not known and making it into something fun, interesting, also has provided her um, an income. You know, if you're running a business and, and it's been a few years, um, maybe 10, and you're not making money, you're doing something wrong. And, and, and that's what our group is all about too. Evan, you mentioned it earlier. Um, do I get something out of helping a guy sell something or, or become better? I'm sure I do. But what I get more out of is if my experiences can show some young guy that just got married how to do that. Exactly. Better. Yeah. Um, save him the angst. Save him the heartbreak. Save exactly. Him, save him the time. So, some kid's having his first kid. H how do we do that? We, we got no manual. I was telling my wife one time, you know, you, you have your challenges in marriage. We've been married 10 years this year. And she was interested to know that when we start dating seriously or get engaged, men being that, there's no manual. Um, there's no rule book. You know, I had a great mom, but at the same time, I did not have a great dad. Mm -hmm. And so my mom did everything she could just to get us where we needed to be. Um, you know, I thought everyone's mom worked three jobs, by the way, until I was about 20 years old. And I just thought that was normal. My yeah. mom did that. She was a hard worker. And... To this day, my mom's always in pain. She has arthritis and different challenges like a lot of our parents do, but you would never know it because of how strong she is. She's 65, and you would never know because she, she's built like a brick house. She, she doesn't let anything stop her from what she wants to do. So what I get more out of is when that young guy says, you know what, you sharing that mistake you made with me helped me avoid it. And so... My segue into the personal is I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this next piece is, is Lisa, and I'll let her share it because I don't want to step over the line, but she had a medical history and dealt with cancer for a while. And this was previous to me knowing her, so I actually don't know a lot about this experience except for what she shared with me. 
but I know that it took a lot of heart to get through that more, more than what it ever took to get the businesses going. Yeah. You know, and, and retrospect, she probably talks about the challenges with the business, but I bet she could have licked that easily um, with just talent and ability. I want to hear about what was going on in her mind. We've got people in our group and we've got people locally, and then we've got a large national um following to where they're going to want to hear about, hey, I'm going through this. So Lisa, I'd like to hear about, if you don't mind sharing with us, what was going on inside of you when you were told and how did you react in that minute? But then where in the world did you say, no, that that's not going to happen. This is what's going to happen. So just to give you a little bit of history real quick, my mother um, had breast cancer twice. Um, her mother had it three times. So I kind of figured I was probably going to have it. I mean, that sounds really horrible, but I just assumed I had a very high risk. And in the middle of me opening businesses, in the middle of all of the chaos of when you're in the middle of opening a business and you literally, it's like having a newborn at home. You don't get any sleep. You're working 18 hours a day. You're not making money yet. And you're stressed out as uh, beyond belief. Um, I went for a regular routine um, doctor's appointment and the doctor said, man, I see your family history here. Have you ever been checked for the, the breast cancer gene? And I said, no, but I just assumed that I haven't. And he said, well, let's, let's get you tested. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Well, I got my swab in my cheek, went on about my work, got my business open, was exhausted, didn't think anything about it, forgot all about it. And then a few weeks later, got a letter in the mail, opened it up and it kind of stopped me in my tracks and it said, you have the BRCA1 gene, which that is the most aggressive gene that can trigger breast cancer or ovarian cancer or uterine cancer. So that being said, but I was fine. I was healthy, cancer-free. Fast forward, I opened our second studio and then was opening our third studio. Well, before I went and opened our third studio, my doctor followed up and said, did you meet with any doctors about what your test results said? And I said, no, because I'm in the middle of working. I don't have time and I'm healthy. I mean, I go for my yearly mammogram and I'm fine. And he said, I think you really need to meet with a geneticist just so you know your odds, all these things. So long story short, I met with all these doctors and um, by the way, I used to work for a surgeon. So I know when you personalize a situation for them, it automatically snaps them to what they're doing of not being at work right then, but to be real with you. So when I met with the geneticist, I said, if I was your daughter sitting here, I said, first, do you have any kids? And he said, yes. And I said, well, if I was your daughter sitting here in front of you and you saw my chart, you saw her chart and it was my chart, what would you say to her? And he said, hands down, I would have a preventative double mastectomy tomorrow. He said, because your odds are so bad. It's over 90% that you're going to get breast cancer in the next five years. And I said, well... I think I'm good with numbers. That sucks. <laughs> and so um, left there. And then a couple months later, I had my next appointment with the breast doctor and said, this is what my chart looks like. This is the gene that I have. Clearly, I'm fine. I just had a mammogram. It was clear. Uh, what would you do if I was your daughter? And she said, I would do a preventative double mastectomy um, as soon as possible. So my husband, who has a superhuman gene pool, which I'm thankful I bred with, he, they, no one in their family has um, cancer. <laughs> I know. I, have, I, I say that very loosely, but I, I mean that because my family clearly has cancer in like abundance, and I'm like, he doesn't. So I'm like, thank God it gives our kid a fighting chance. Yeah. We, we always can do the PG version. Yeah. Right. PG. Yeah, it was totally PG. So anyways, we got on board and, and said, okay, I'll have a preventative double mastectomy. You know, I don't know what y'all believe in, but I believe in God and I believe in there's these moments in life that, that something or somebody, whether it's a guardian angel or God have their hand in it, um, set up my, my 
surgery, and yes, I was scared. I'm female. My husband's a lot younger than I am. He's seven years younger than I am. And, um, you know, I wanted to keep myself intact, but I also knew that it was worth my life. So um, we set up my preventative double mastectomy, and the week before my surgery, which I had had ultrasounds, my mammograms, everything was clear, we had gotten my last franchise open. We had everyone trained for me to be out for eight weeks for recovery. And the week before I said, you know, I'm healthy. I shouldn't, we should just maybe put this off till next summer when everyone's been open for a little bit and everyone's trained and I don't have to worry about it. And my husband of all people, who has nothing to do with our business, by the way, he works for an oil and gas company in downtown Tulsa called One Oak. So he, he doesn't do anything with Pinos. I run this by myself. Um, and then 33 other employees. Um, <laughs> But anyways, um, he said, no, you've gotten everyone trained. I've already taken off work, all of this. We've got the surgery scheduled. Let's just do this. So I went in as a healthy female um, for a preventative double mastectomy. Uh, went in on a Monday, came, stayed the night in the hospital, came home, and I survived it okay. It was really painful and I have a really high tolerance of pain, but it sucked. Uh, came home with drains and bags hanging out of me and whatever. And four days later, I got a call from the doctor. Well... This is where I used to work for a surgeon comes into play. Sitting on my couch, and the doctor calls me and says, hey, how are you feeling? And I said, why are you calling me? And she said, well, you have your follow-up tomorrow with me, and I just want to see how you're doing. And I said, something's wrong. And she said, why would you say that? I said, because I work for surgeons long enough. The nurses always call, the doctors don't. And she said, well, you're not going to believe this. You had breast cancer, and it wasn't detected. So I already had cancer and didn't know it. Wow. And um, so you want to talk about a God moment. I kind of was taken aback, and I'll never forget. I was sitting on the couch with my husband and my best friend. She'd stop by, and I just started bawling. And, of course, they were watching me on the phone and, like, what's wrong, what's happening. And I hung up the phone, and I said, I have breast cancer. And my husband was like, how is that possible? You just had scans and, and whatever. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this. But in the middle of all of this, the doctor, even though my scans were clean, marked the box that said it needs to go to the lab to be checked to prove that it's cancer-free instead of just tossing it in the dis biomedical disposable stuff. And when she did, they sent this huge bag of all this tissue they removed, and some kid making $8 an hour in a lab pulled one piece of, piece of tissue out, put it in a slide, and put it under the microscope, and my tumor was sitting right in the middle of it, still intact. It hadn't been touched. It hadn't been sliced open to spill cells out. It was still intact. And um, the odds of that happening out of the entire bag of tissue he removed and grabbed one small piece, that's another God moment. Wow. Um, and so, anyways, long story short, um, I went in um, to have a preventative double mastectomy, and I woke up a cancer survivor, um, which is just crazy when I tell people my story. Um, and so, fast forward to now, um, I am... March 22nd will have been my um, two-year anniversary of my last chemo treatment. And um, I'm healthy. I'm happy. Um, everything is great. I go for checkups every three months and whatever. But I went through 22 weeks, 21 weeks of chemo and um, was bald as, I almost said as, as, as Brian, but you're not bald. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's true. Listen, I like to harass the boys. Yeah. So anyways, um, I was bald as a baby's butt, and, and I didn't rock wigs. I rocked the bald look. I loved it. Um, yeah. I and I'm like I said, I'm, I go back to this whole thing. I'm one of those people who finds the good in everything. 
I loved being bald. I, I embraced it. I loved that I didn't have to fix my hair every day. I loved that my hair, my head went with every outfit. I loved that um, I didn't have to go get haircuts or buy shampoo. My husband was shocked at how much money we saved. Yeah, you're saving tons of money um, right there. Yeah. So anyways, um, I've been very fortunate um, to survive that. But, you know, it was in the middle of opening businesses. It was in the middle of living life. And, and you know, I had to stay afloat because I knew if I didn't believe in what we had created at Pinos or didn't believe in me surviving, everyone else around me would have fallen apart. Yeah. And I think there's something that sets some entrepreneurs apart from others is that we have this, not cockiness, but we have the confidence in ourselves that we can at- accomplish tasks. So to me, my mother um, was one of the strongest people I know. And um, she never complained about about all the ailments that came after her cancer. She almost died twice from her cancer. She was very, very ill. And um, one of the things that she taught me was, is when so when I was going through my cancer and I was very angry, what they don't tell you when you're surviving something like that is they teach they treat you with PTSD just like a soldier. Yeah. And I didn't know that. And so I remember when I went in, I told the doctor, I said, that's not fair for you to say I have PTSD because I'm not, I'm not, I didn't go through anything traumatic. And he said, but you did, your body is waging war on you. Yeah. And I said, well, I never thought of it that way. So one of the things that, um, you, you get angry cause you're mad. You're like, how did this happen? I take care of myself. I'm a happy person. I, I do good in the world. Like how does this happen? And like child molesters and rapists don't get cancer. Like let them get the bad stuff. Well, one of the things that I did, and I think this kind of feeds into my entrepreneurial spirit is every morning I would wake up and I knew that I had to get the anger out for me to thrive and be positive. So every morning I would get in the shower and while I was in the shower, I allowed myself to be angry. I would allow myself to cry. I would allow myself to say things at the shower head that I would say to cancer if it was a person. And I would say really ugly things, but it was very cathartic, right? It was very like therapeutic. I would get it out, out but I also, it was, it was kind of symbolic, right? Because the water was washing it off of me in my tears. And then I had a rule every day. The minute I turned the shower off, Nothing else could be negative. Everything had to be positive the rest of the day. But it was honoring letting the negative out because if you don't and you let it bottle up, you explode. Mm -hmm. So I let the negative out for a very limited time. And I did that on purpose. So it was limited to only a certain time of day. And then the rest of the day had to be positive. I had to be thankful for everything. I had to find the good in the day, whether I was nauseated and green and I was bloated from steroids and I was having a really bad day or sales were bad at work. I would still find the positive in it. And I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can set our mind to something and we will make ourselves go there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's one of those things that I've talked about in the past where the power of your imagination, you, when, you, when you're a kid, you learn that you can create anything in your mind and it is such an awesome creative force but I think what they don't tell you when you're a kid and it's something you learn as you become an adult is that your imagination can work to the negative as well, just, just as powerful. And so if you allow that to run wild in your mind and you don't get it out, that's where like worry comes in. That's where stress comes in. That's where anger comes in. That's where all these things start to formulate inside that's your mind. That's where the destruction comes and in destruction. your idea. It eats you apart from the inside. And so that makes 100% sense because uh, as you were as you were saying that and talking about getting it out and I'm like, you know, when I had it, I, I was going some stuff with our business when our business was struggling and I had to actually just look at the reports. I had to look at the numbers. 
And when I looked at the numbers, I realized it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And I, what I realized was that there was truth in that. That was, that was real. I knew that those were tangible, real things. And I knew that what was in my mind was just me self-deceiving myself. And so for you, I think it was the same thing. You were able to release all of those things that were inside of you that were just making your mind turn to mush. And what happened was there was a relief. That pressure release allowed you to continue on because one of the things that I was thinking here was you may have been woken up a cancer survivor, but it wasn't just you. When you're a small business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, you have 33 other people that depend on you running that business. And so it feels like it's you because you're going through that, but you have, it's so much more than that. And so I want to kind of end with this. And I want to ask you this question because we're on this topic is where do you get, or where did you get your courage and your strength to push through? Because going through all those different things and obviously like getting that pressure release is one thing, but just knowing that that amount of people depended on you and that amount of people, um, your business, your livelihood, everything that you've invested your time into goes into that. Where did you find your strength? Well, hands down, my mom. My mom was, she was the ultimate chick. I mean, she's she's passed away now about eight years. Uh, she, ironically, she didn't die of cancer. She died of pneumonia instead. She was a rock. But I will tell you this. When you have people in your corner who believe in you, so my parents are both very headstrong. They're both very smart. They both were very driven. They didn't. They weren't entrepreneurs. They were kind of, I call them the safe the safe people, they had. They worked in corporations. They worked there at the same place. Both of them did from the time they graduated college till the time they retired, which is unheard of now. Mm-hmm. But they were very driven, so they would they moved up in their rankings. Um, but I will say this. My husband, my parents gave me kind of this motivation. And when you have people who believe in you, there is something very powerful about that. And it gives you this confidence and not cockiness, not arrogant, not that kind of confidence. Confidence that if they believe in me, I can do this. So I should believe in myself when I'm making decisions and I know I'm going to make this happen, whether it's beating cancer or whether it's hitting a sales goal or yes, I can be an entrepreneur and I'm going to be successful. doesn't mean I'm going to win at everything, but I'm definitely going to learn and, but I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I would say my mom and dad and my husband, um, they, they never faltered and on any of this and it's, it's, it was beautiful. That's it's awesome. beautiful to have that, that backing. Well, we, we talk about the Jim Rome quote, which is you're the average of the five people that you hang around. And I think that that's statement right there it ties into that more than just trying to make yourself better, but the importance of having that good, solid foundation around you to help you get to that next level, but also hold you up in those times when you feel like you're failing. Uh, owning a small business or even being in a leadership role or even just having your own family and leading your family. There's so much to that. And I, what I want people to know is that you're not alone and you don't have to be alone. You can find mentors, you can find friends, you can find family members, but you got to ask, you got to put yourself out there. You got to be vulnerable. And if you do that, that's where the magic happens. That's where you get that support uh, to allow you to stand on the shoulders of those, those giants to, to grow beyond what somebody else was able to do and ultimately take yourself to that next level. Do we have a second for me to give you like three things that were some of the best lessons I learned in, yeah. in being an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I will say them fairly quickly. One of them is somebody told me, a CEO of a billion dollar corporation, not Quick Trip, but a, a different corporation told me once, Listen, you're going to be good at a lot of things, but you're also going to be really bad at a lot of things. And those things that you can't do, 
then you hire the people that are good at them to do them. And you thrive in what you're good at. One of the other things is, is know your market. If there was a bunch of franchises for paint and sip studios here in Tulsa, I would have never opened because I did the research to make sure there wasn't competition to start out with. There's all these people who want to be entrepreneurs, but they go and create these businesses that already exist. So it's like, well, do we need another coffee house? Because there's already 20 Starbucks on every corner. So you've got to think about your product unless there's demand for it, like insurance. Everyone needs insurance. There's always going to be a demand for that. Hire people that do that can do things that you don't know how to do, and nor do you want to spend your time doing it. Knowing your market and knowing if it's got market saturation or the demand of it. Don't grow so fast. Do, do your research and try to learn everything because one of my biggest pet peeves is somebody who's my boss and has never done my job. How can they critique me and how can they make, you know, tell me I'm not doing a good job? So I made sure that every time I opened a studio, I did every person's job in, in, the, in the business. So that way when I talked to them, I could talk to them on a one-on-one -on -one level and be like, I know how to answer this question. Does that make sense? I'm actually really excited about this podcast because there, I actually have a lot of notes and I haven't <laughs> been able to dive into too many of them. But, I mean, just those three things right there are, are just big gold nuggets for our listeners to, to really kind of grab onto. And that's what I want. I mean, if we can walk away from one, with one just little piece of uh, like a quote or, or a facet or a fact that you can walk away with, I think that's going to help people immensely. But this today, I mean, there's been so much from, you know, starting and growing all the way to, uh, you know, overcoming some of uh, life's greatest struggles. I mean, there's just so much here. So, Lisa, thank you for taking the time to meet with us. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being our first female guest. Yay! Uh, woo -woo! Woo! Girl Girls power. in the house. That's right. And uh, I can hang with the boys. Absolutely. And and this, you definitely won't be the last. And, and we want to continue to grow this, continue to grow this audience. So thank you for being a part of it. Brian, as always, uh, thank you for protecting the country from uh, all the... Uh, from bad insurance from, people. From bad insurance people. Hey, I wanted to share something, uh, Evan. Something that we're learning more and more about every single time we talk is equal opportunity doesn't always mean equal outcome. Um, the people that are listening have got to do some research. We've talked about that. You've got to get into some things that will challenge you on your business. You can't just open up, buy a sign, and go. There's so many things. So if you're listening, keep listening. Keep tuning into us. Download, subscribe, and give us a good review. Thank you for uh, for being with us today, Lisa. We need to thank tell you for people, having me. Oh no, no doubt. We need to tell people how to find her, though, guys. You, you know she's on social media, but what website should we use for Pinos Palette? Is there one for Pinos, each low? No. So what we do is we have one master site, and then you go find your location okay. on that site. So you just go to uh, PinosPalette.com. Pino like the wine, palette like a painter's palette. Easy enough. All right. And we'll be putting those links in uh, in the podcast notes as well. Awesome. So everyone awesome. go out, pinospalette.com, and, and schedule your party. Evan, what do people need to do if they want to order something from Trost? If you want to get some any kind of marketing uh, needs that you have, whether it be printed or uh, promotional items, you can reach us at trostmarketing.com. It's spelled like frost, but it's T-R-O-S-T marketing.com, or call us at 866-492-7820. Awesome. The jackets we just got were amazing. So yeah, you're always looking good though, Brian. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. No, no, no. The jackets were amazing. You guys got to check these jackets out. They're on Facebook. Check them out. The red zip ups. Um, we've got them all over there right now wearing them. So check them out. Get yourself some jackets. So anyways, Evanite, that's all we got, man. All right. We'll catch you guys on the next podcast.
Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.